yo, yo, yo. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to F5 Podcast, a.k.a. Cinco Fs, where we talk about family, faith, football, films, food, and everything else in between. Yo, I'm super excited for today's episode. We have drumroll. <laughs> Our first guest. Yeah, yeah. Today's episode is a special one for me. I felt like I gave y'all supreme energy when I explained four out of my five apps last week. Well, this week, all my energy is towards this extremely important F of mine. Faith. I just want to say uh, all is possible by the grace of God and because of his grace that I am here today. I have been blessed by his grace during these difficult times. And I feel like the spirit is in me today, this week, this month, this season, y'all. Can you feel that? Embrace me. Embrace my voice. And open up your hearts. Because I got I feel you, bro. You're coming through loud and clear. <laughs> We're in Texas. Right now. No, um, no. I'm big on not letting the past hold you back and I put a plan together. I love hearing new plans. I'm always brainstorming ways to try to help, you know. Um, a lot of people break down. I just try to build up. I'm big on building. Yeah. And let's just let's just keep it keep it pushing. Let's keep building, you know. So I so as I mentioned in the last episode, I am Catholic, but I, uh growing up growing up Catholic, being a Catholic man has never limited my spiritual journey with Christianity. Uh, let me break it down. Uh, I've, I've experienced warm welcomes at many churches in my life. While a big chunk of my family is Catholic, a lot of my family respectfully practices other forms of Christianity. I have uh, family members from all walks of life that are Mormon, evangelicalist, some that practice faith, some that do not. I have aunts and uncles who are devout Mormons. I have multiple uncles who are pastors in their respective communities. I've had the privilege to be part of some events held by these communities, and the acceptance I received was beyond a spiritual experience. What I'm trying to say is that faith can be a universal language. Faith or spirituality is something so beautiful, so enriching and life-saving, and there are many forms. You know, the beauty of this world is being able to love and respect each other. The beauty of this world is its diversity and having the liberties to find yourself down your destined road through spirituality. And finally, the beauty of this world is being able to find yourself through other spiritual experiences. So with that being said, I want to introduce a good friend of mine. He's a fellow Golden Eagle communication major at our alma mater. He's a relative of one of my closest friends. Easily can be said he's a distant relative of mine. When I visited the city of Houston last fall, this man opened up his doors, allowed me to rest at his humble abode, and showed me around the city, which I am deeply grateful for. Uh, I've had the privilege to have countless conversations about all the topics anyone can cover. So without further ado, I welcome Arturo Adams to F5. Uh, hey, I just want to say, man, congratulations. Like, uh, you're making it happen, bro. And I'm really happy for you. You know what I mean? I'm loving your energy. I like that you're being proactive and you're going out and doing what your heart is telling you to do. I appreciate that, man. I mean, and, and I wanted to have this conversation with you because, you know, it's important to understand our spiritual neighbor, you know, our religious cousin, my brother from another father. And and, and I, and I want to learn about faith. Uh, I don't want to set boundaries, but I want to establish spiritual allies amongst ourselves. You know, we're human and we can't if we can't love and respect ourselves and have understandings, then, then we are all as good as lost. So let's shine and light some past, brother. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling great. Um, it's a beautiful day out here. Uh, I think Texas is a little ahead of this, the country in terms of uh, businesses opening and 
kind of getting back to some uh, regular life type, you know. So it's been it's been cool. Everything is great, man. I'm happy. Um, personally, my my family is uh, about eight months pregnant, so I'm we're getting ready to have our first child. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl. That's been also pretty fun. You know, some days people bring in clothes for girls, and some days people give us clothes for boys. And, and it's pretty cool, you know. Like, uh, if it's a girl, we're gonna name it this. If it's a boy, we're gonna name it this. And it's pretty. I like even seeing how people respond to it in that way, where we tell them we don't know, and they they just think that's crazy that you don't know what it is. Yo, man, I wish you could see my face right now. You don't know the excitement I have for you, brother. That is some Thank awesome. You, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I know. I know you would know, right? We spent all these years together. I still- I still vividly remember you turning 18, man. You know what I mean? It was awesome being there for your birthday. You know, like, uh, growing. So, thank you. Thank you. That's so awesome, bro. Yeah, man, it means a lot to me, man. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate it. You know, um, anybody that got well wishes and whatnot, you know, that means a lot to me. Um, so- All right. So let's get right into it because uh, we have no time to waste. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, what is faith to you? You touched on something that I, I think uh, just to take a moment to discuss really quick is uh, understanding that understanding and agreement are not the same thing. And what often happens in conversations is that if you understand somebody, people get mad as if you're agreeing with them. And it's, it, it, I can understand why a KKK person feels that way. I can understand why Donald Trump feels that way. I can understand why the police do what they do. You know, that doesn't mean I agree with these things. And I'm just simply pointing out that I appreciate you for the just the simple fact that you're willing to understand. You know what I mean? That's that's that bridge. That's that in between. Like, you know, if God's in it, you got to be willing to try to understand it. And so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you know, just touching on faith, my personal journey, because I, I really think about it when you bring it. We talk, we talk about faith. The, the very first time I really understood what faith was, was uh, I'm sitting, I'm in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. At the time, I was a Christian, and I had, and, and I believe that you got to immerse yourself in things, that you really have to dive in and give yourself to it before you can have an honest understanding or opinion of it. So usually I give myself about minimum two years. So, you know, I'm, I'm past two years of, you know, Thursday Bible study, Sunday church. Um, you know, honestly, I, at this point, I don't even recall what type of uh, Christianity it was. You know, I mean, it, was it a Baptist? Was it Methodist or I'm, I'm unfortunately I don't know, and I know that that does matter. But uh, at this point, I, it's just you know over 20 years ago for me, I, I don't recall. But um, excuse me, I'm talking to the to the pastor, and I, I was always the, the one in the congregation who you know I wouldn't speak in tongues or I wasn't passing out when they would touch me on the forehead and things like that. And everybody else was more pressuring me to do it, but I just never understood where the God was in that. And so it got to be a point where finally the pastor decided to talk with me. And so when I walked into his office, I'll never forget it. Directly behind him, he had the image of the black Jesus. To the right was your standard Catholic version of Jesus on the cross. Like behind me where I was sitting at his desk was... Um, you know, was it the white or the Mexican version of it? There's just all these different versions of it. And I asked them, you know, do you believe Jesus is God? 
And he said, yes. So I pointed to the images on the wall and I'm looking at him asking him, so you're telling me that that's God? He said, yes. As I'm pointing to the photos on his wall. So I asked him, I said, well, why would God need to come to earth when God could do whatever God wants? God can control anything. Why would God need to come to earth? And he told me because if God doesn't come to earth, people wouldn't believe in him. And I told him that, but if that was the case, then nobody would have faith because faith is intangible. That what God is showing you in life um, for the person who wants to understand it, he's talking to you every day from something as simple as the sun going up and the sun coming down and the moon going up and the moon coming and it stays on its course. Um, so many times I've, I've heard stories of people saying, you know, I can't believe I survived or I can't believe it worked out my way. That is God talking to you. Amen, you know, that he loves us, <laughs> that he loves us. I know a lot of people don't like put the connection together, but that is God talking to you. Whether or not you're aware of it is not the point. And so, you know, for me, faith is that, you know, God is real because you, you he's showing you every day and you feel him. In the Quran, he says that he is closer to you than you are to yourself. And I, find, I always find that extremely intriguing because I think most of us walk around like we know ourselves so well. And maybe we do. But the idea of God being closer to you than you is like, you know, it really keeps me honest. You know, Absolutely. like you can't, you can't front. You can't front. Like, you know, right, you right, 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 right. That's, that's love right there. <laughs> That's my faith, man, is that, you know, it's intangible, but, you know, it's real. And I'm someone who's been fortunate enough to have family members and people in my life who were willing to walk on faith. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm 41. I got I just turned 41. Gemini babies. Yes, we're, I'm a twin. And so, um, you know, I used to watch the Looney Tunes and all those, those cartoons and uh, Wally Coyote. And the Coyote used to always try to catch the Roadrunner. And I say one out of three skits failing in his attempts, he would be reading in a way to capture him or he'd be chasing the roadrunner and he'd run off the cliff or he'd be reading and walking off the cliff and he'd get three or four steps before he would realize that gravity and then he would fall again and fail. And I'm saying that I know people in life who would take those very same steps off the cliff, but based on faith, and as soon as they took the step, you couldn't see it. But when the foot landed, it landed firm ground. And like mm. how much better their lives were mm. to make for having that kind of faith and really taking that risk and really taking that challenge. Mm. I, I can't explain it to you. Like how much, <laughs> how much peaceful this thing. You, you can understand that. I'm, I'm really happy you're getting what I'm saying there. Like it's very <laughs> profound. It's like, oh, you're taking your life into your own hands. Like you're really living. And yeah, living has risks associated with it, but you want to take good risks. And if God's not worth the risk, then what is? Right. No, yeah, that's no on the hammer right there. Um, so, so to kind of take a step back, um, you know, you kind of went into uh, for my first question for you, what is faith for you? Um, so just to paint the picture to, to, for the listeners, uh, to, can you tell me um, uh, what is uh, or what kind, what is your, you know, what is your faith for? for of course, the, or, of course, yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, I'm a Muslim. I'm a Salafi Muslim. Uh, Salafi means the first nation. Um, 
the companions of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, these would be the considered disciples if I was a Christian. The companions of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, they they asked them, like, who's the best amongst us? Meaning, you're a messenger. God sent you here. Aside from that, who would be the best? And he responded, the prophet responded, that you are. You get to see me. You get to talk to me. You get firsthand information. You don't have to. So then they said, okay, who's the next best after that? He said, the next generation. What about after that? The next generation. So he went three generations in. And he said, after that, it, it, it simply won't matter that the, the love, the faith, the, these things are going to go down. And I'm mm. saying that because the Salafis operate on the First Nation and how they would approach things, how they would understand things. Um, my Islamic journey, easily the best decision I made. I, I took my Shahada, just converting uh, into Islam in uh, 2000, in the year 2000. Uh, my journey was you know, kind of, it was a roundabout journey. It wasn't linear or a direct line. Um, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles or Pasadena, California, and I grew up in the heart of gangbang. Like my older brother, he was in the streets pretty tough. He had a good name for himself. He bring weapons home. And I'm seeing people get shot, and I'm hearing people that I would see this week, they no longer with us the next week. And, and so I was like, look, I, I don't know God. Like, you know, I'm 12 or 13, but I just don't want to go to jail. But like I, I know that you know it's a possibility. So looking at looking around me, this is probably going to happen. But I, I just was like, look, I care about myself, and, and if I go to jail, can I go based on my like not being misled, like following other people or getting myself in trouble because I listen to somebody? That's too frustrating. So yeah. like you know, if I'm gonna go to jail, can I do it because I decided to do it to myself or you know, something like that? So basically, I would. To try to stay out of the streets, I would go to church, the Catholic church, because my mother, if you really want me to back up for a moment today with my current understanding, um, you know, the woman gets pregnant and it's not necessarily a living thing in the Quran until the second trimester. That's when God sends the soul down through the heavens and into the woman. But before he sends the soul down into the woman, he, he makes the soul testify that it is perfect. So if I asked you, do you think God makes mistakes? What would you say? Mm. That's a real question. I'm asking you, that's a real question. Does God make mistakes? No. Okay, no. great. So we can all agree that we were, we were born perfect, meaning two things. You're sinless and that you are perfect only because God created you. And to supplement that or to support that, I'm sorry, to support that statement is things like when he asked the angels to supplicate before you. You know, in Islam, you got to supplicate to God, put your head down. He asked the angels to do that for us, his new creation. And I'm not trying to elevate humans. I'm simply saying this is how pleased your Lord was with his new creation, us humans, that he told the angels, Gabriel, Michael, all prostrate before. And all of them did it except for one. And that's fine. Um, so I'm saying that to you because to be a Muslim means you believe in one God. And, um, that's exactly what, you know, God, Allah makes the soul testify that there's one God, that there, that he has no offspring, that he has no family. He just runs everything in a manner that suits him and only him. 
a lot of the descriptions don't have words to acknowledge it. He doesn't sit on a throne, but he sits in a manner that suits only him. He's not a king. He's, he's so much higher than that. And the way it's described that there aren't words in the language in Arabic or in English to describe it. And that, that actually happens often, but that's neither here nor there. Getting back to the original point is that he <laughs> basically everybody's born. Everyone is born with Islamic belief and Islamic belief is that you believe in one God mm. is that you won't put in. The only unforgivable sin in Islam is that you put anything in worship of God, meaning it can be a human being. You know, it can be any of the messengers or the prophets. It can be money. It can be, you know, stars. Mm -hmm. It can be colors. It can be sports. Mm -hmm. It can be anything. But that's the only thing he says I won't forgive him for because he's actually the, he's the most jealous in that regard. He feels I'm the most I'm the most worthy and and that he doesn't forgive because you're not acknowledging everything I do for you. And the parable he sets out in the Quran is awesome. He says that when the rain comes down and the grass grows and the cows eat and pasteurize on that grass. And they get to a point where the butcher or the farmer is ready to slaughter that animal. They slaughter the animal and they make it a delicious meal and present it on a plate for their family. And then who do they present? Who And, and then whose name do they present that meal? Everyone. They're going to say in Jesus. And Jesus had absolutely nothing to do with the entire process. And that's what he's saying that he doesn't appreciate is that. I'm not going to forgive that because I did that for you, meaning God, not Jesus. And, and I, I get what they're saying, but obviously I'm going to get to my back to my personal story in terms of how I ended up, where I, you know, kind of my understanding. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, let, you know. yeah, let me ask you: uh, uh, Does God, does Allah exist? Of course, yes. If you're saying he's in everything, no, he's above us. He controls everything and, and it's nothing. He says be and it is. Everything is easy for God. What we consider impossible is nothing for God. But what I'm saying to you is that when you hear people who are misunderstanding, because there's levels to all of this, and I could break it down if you needed me to, but for people who just have misunderstanding, they'll make comments like God is everywhere. And God is not in the vial of crack cocaine. He's not in heroin. He's not in the venom in the snake. He's not in the cockroaches who's swimming through whatever to try to find food, urine. Now, cockroaches are in dirty places. He's not there. But he controls and knows everything. Nothing is outside of his, uh, his understanding, but he's not on earth. If that means. He's above us, as he right. should be. Right. And so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I felt like it did, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Um, uh, so, uh, how, you know, as a, as a Muslim man, uh, you know, as, you know, somebody from the Islamic, you know, community, how, how do you maintain a relationship, uh, to God, to Allah? You know, how does, how does one stay, like, how does one stay respectful of oneself, of others? Like, how, how, how do you keep your faith going, like, strong? Fantastic question. I'm... <clears throat> Um, I, I'm trying to see how to approach. Like, um, I'm big on private victories over public ones, um, and that that's how you really grow as a as a human being. And when I say grow, uh, you become more pleasing to your Lord when you're worried about yourself instead of everybody seeing what you're doing. And so, um, there's a there's a, a series of very like I call them foundational kind of mantras, I guess. Quotes. And one of them, 
one of them is that this life that we live right now is a life of action. And the next life, the life to come is a life of judgment. And that's it. So do as much good as you can do in this world while you have the opportunity to get good blessings for it. And so mm. I love that Islam is a religion of action. So you might say, what is that action? Well, all last month, we fasted from sunrise to sunset for our Lord. Ramadan. That, you know, that I, I don't want to eat knowing that it's necessary just to show you that I'm thankful. Hopefully you could purify me and help me get, you know, help me kind of cleanse my heart if possible. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe, <clears throat> you know, there's so much misunderstanding as someone who you didn't really go over this too much, but um, I spent the better part of the last four years in Islamic countries. Um, okay. The last, the last two years I lived in Saudi Arabia in Thaif, which is about an hour away from Mecca. So I was able to make my, uh, my pilgrimage to the Kaaba in Mecca. And, you know, for me to be able to do that, that's what I meant at the beginning of the conversation when I was talking about how God talks to you every day. Cause I remember the very first time I saw the picture, I was a student at John Marshall high school in the seventh grade. And I saw so many people around the photo and I was such a, a bad, disrespectful student that I told the teacher, there's so many people there that that's a lie. Like you changed that photo, like stop lying to me. It's not possible that many people could go to one place. And then to see now that I've seen with my own eyes that many people in one in that very yeah. place, you know, and I and I actually got to touch the building, it, it genuinely brings tears to your eyes, you know. And then understanding that this is a tangent, but I'll try to bring it back. So help no, me no, 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 that's that's okay, good. Cool. No, 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 no. The tangent is this: is that I always thought that that building, the Kaaba, the black box in Mecca, was something personal to Muslims. It turns out that the forefather of religion, Abraham, he actually built the building with his first son, Ishmael. Mm. And, and God told him, because God did speak to him. And that, that also is something to discuss when I talk to you about levels. You got people like Moses where God spoke to him. If mm. you or my father or my brother or someone today told me that God was talking to you, I would just say, you're crazy. I refuse to believe it. Um, but you know, Muhammad got he, Muhammad got revelation from Gabriel. He never, well, I'm not saying he never, but he didn't get a direct line to God. And that's important to acknowledge. Abraham did. The point I'm trying to make is that God told Abraham to put a black stone in a specific part of the building to complete the building, that the building is not complete. What you got to keep in mind, and this is very important, this was told, told to me when I went to school in Indiana. I got a scholarship for basketball, so... I did do two years in Indiana and in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Ah, that's good. Go Warriors. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the professor in humanities told me that this is the first building ever built with the sole intention to pray to God, that human beings up until that point would simply pray to God at any time where they were. But now he built the building. And today, fast forward from that day, which is not calculable on our calendar to today, we have synagogues, we have masjids, you have temples, you've got, you know, all these different buildings of worship that spawned off of that one. And to the degree where he said that if you called Ibrahim Abraham the father of religion, that's accurate. That that wouldn't be an off statement. This is what he said. And he was a Christian. 
I'm just pointing that out. Now, getting back to it, him and his first son, Abraham and his first son, built the Kaaba. So, you know, I've actually touched the Black Stone, and it's a it's a journey to get to it because so many people want to touch it and you're trying to be polite and it's a test of patience. And, but, like, mm. I'm just looking at my hand right now, knowing I touched the Black Stone. Uh, one thing I can tell you is that it, it really helped me solidify my place in this world. I think a lot of humans in general are searching for a connection. Like, how can I understand my position, why I'm here, what's my, what's my place? Mm-hmm. And for me... For me, Islam really did that in so many ways. But in this particular way, like touching the Kaaba, touching the Black Stone really made me understand, you know, my, my place in this world. You know, why I was born, what my objective is in this, why I came here, what I'm, what, why God sent me here. And then also, it just feels good to know that maybe, you know, maybe Muhammad touched the stone the same way. Maybe all the different messengers who made pilgrimage to the Kaaba that they also touched it, that they also took steps where I'm taking steps. You know, that, that makes me feel good in terms of consistency, that I, I may be doing something that they did at the same time. Um, and so for being able to live in those countries every day, it's, it's not a challenge, meaning that they, they call, when it's time to pray five times a day, um, they call it on the speakers. I was in Morocco for two years also, Casablanca area and the southern part, Agadir. I love Agadir. And I, lo- I love Morocco in general. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, the people, everything was just incredible there. But the idea that when it comes time to pray, every on every neighborhood, there's a megaphone and a mosque. And everybody, they just, you know, they call the prayer. Come to pray. It's time to pray to God. Translation. But. The point is like, oh, and then when I, you know, I've been back in America since late September. And okay. I think the, the number one thing I miss is hearing the, the call to prayers that it just sounds like a cemetery outside. Mm. And I, I hear so many people in the sauna, at the gym, when I'm in public, the people that I meet that are nice people. I'm not criticizing them in, in particular, but they, they make comments about being treated misfairly or being cheated. And w- when they finish more or less complaining, you know, I just tell them that we're talking about people who don't give God his rights, how they're going to give you your rights. Mm. I mean, so, I mean, Islam offers so many opportunities to keep remembrance of your Lord, to do things for your Lord that, I mean, it's a 24-hour job. And one thing that I don't want to be, for anyone who may hear this podcast, I, and if you're in this struggle, I respect you the most in this world, is making your prayer on time. Because maybe 10 minutes ago, five minutes ago in the conversation, I pointed out that um, before before Abraham, you know, you, could, you would just pray. Right. And if you, you would just pray and say, when do you pray? When I want to. What do you say? What I want to say. But you have to fast forward. See, the Quran is a continuation of the books before it. In that conversation with the pastor, I asked him, what do you think about Islam? What do you think about Islam? And he disregarded it like some heretic, crazy thing that people are doing. And I know billions of people are doing it. Like, this isn't some small religion now. Hold on. The way he dismissed it. Well, I'm just saying, I, when I actually looked at the figures for Taoism and Taoism, it's a very small percentage of the world. Nobody, I mean, 1% or less of the actual population are these. But they make it seem like these are major religions, and they're really not. But but Islam genuinely is a mega religion. He dismissed it like it was some hoax or some 
And then what I'm trying to say to you is that when I asked the, the imam, who is like the, the priest or the pastor for the church, when I asked the imam, what do you say about the Bible and the Torah? And they said that we said that the Quran is a continuation of what came before it, meaning that I love the, the metaphor is that, you know, the first Windows is Windows 95. I had that in my computer, my PC. <laughs> you know, so I had Windows 95. And then it went to 98, and then it went to 2000, and today, what is what are we on? Vista? Are we on a Windows 11? Or what is it now? What are we on? XP? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, like, but this is yeah, very important, though, because yeah, like yeah. you got people operating, if you're living on the Torah, which is what, what the Jews or the Hebrews are on, um, you know, they're operating on Windows 95, 98. And if you're a Christian or a, a Christian or a Catholic, you're operating on, you know, Windows 2000. Like, if you try to use Windows 2000 right now, some of those features are working and some of the features aren't going to work because it's been updated. Mm. And the most, re the most recent book is the Quran. And so when we talk about understanding, that's not hard to understand, but I'm someone who's read the Bible and I'm someone who's read the Quran. And it saddens my heart to such a degree how few people that I've met and having conversations about God that if you could take the time out of their day to do that, to simply read for God, like that's what mm -hmm. I meant when I talk about God's rights. That's what I mean when I talk about actions that you stop and read. It's so disheartening to looking outside how people can't just simply be in silence and be content, that they have to have music on, that they have to be entertained, that they, and I see this in children so much that it makes me sad, you know, that forget about just being quiet, you know how much of a challenge it would be to ask that child to sit in silence and read? <laughs> yeah. bro, bro, it's saddening. So the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, I've read, you know, the Quran and the Bible, and, I, and the Quran doesn't dispute it. What it's saying is that this is what it is now. And for those who love God, because I... I'll tell you right now, I don't get caught up in semantics. It's not about titles and stuff. Meaning that if Christians believed in Islam and they believed in the Quran, I'd be a Christian. If, if the Muslims just believed in the Torah, I wouldn't be a Muslim. It's not, it's not about that. I just wanted to find God because I know God was in this world. I've always known that we, were, we aren't just here. Like he just sent us here for games to play. Mm. So I'm like, okay, a big journey for me is to be able to take that journey like I, I'm challenge accepted and I want to understand my Lord. And, you know, so my first, I call it a covenant. It was when I used to go to St. Elizabeth church in, in Pasadena, California, or Altadena, shout out St. Elizabeth. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I never got, I never, what I'm about to say is, is my feelings. It's not to impeach or attack any particular belief. It's just how I understood it, and to this day, I still understand it more or less the same way, that when I would be at the church and I would watch the proceedings, it just felt like a cult. The way they come in with, um, I don't know if that's incense and the outfits they're wearing and the little boys, or, you know, 12, 10, whatever, however old the boys are. So what I used to do is just go to the back of the church. I thought I was praying, and now that I'm a Muslim, I realize I'm making dua. Okay. Uh, once again, updated, the most recent, by the time the Quran came, God said, I sent books and messengers. Today, I'm going to tell you what it is. More or less, obviously, I'm paraphrasing. So then he tells us what the prayer is, and he tells us when to pray. That changed. So what I'm saying is that when I go to the back and I ask God to help Junior and help my friends and my family, that we call that dua, where you're making supplication to God 
to help the people in your life. But that is not prayer. And I think some people in America call that prayer. Mm. And that's just dua. I hope you understand the nuance there that prayer is just for God. I want you to have all of this. I want I want to be humiliated and I want to do it in the most humble way possible with no pride. I want you to pray to God. But God does everything. So I also want to ask you to make other people's lives you know, if you could bring some good to them, if you can help them in their times of trouble. If I've, if I've ever done anything pleasing to you, can you please show some mercy on Junior and his family? You know, th that's dua. And so I would go to the back of the, the, the church and like, look, I'm watching people die, <laughs> row banging tough. Um, you know, can you open a door? Can you show me something here? Because I, I don't want to just throw my life away, but I'm close to it. And I knew it. And then sure enough, I happened to be pretty good, pretty good at basketball. You know what I mean? It kept me out of the streets. I had good enough grades. I looked up at 18 years old and I landed in Fort Wayne, Indiana with a full scholarship. And like when you landed it, when you land in Indiana, you know, they come pick you up and my dorm is banging. I got carpet up in there. I got TV. <laughs> I that kind of stuff back then. You know, I was an athlete's dorm. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm in a small city or Indiana. So everybody's looking at me like I'm cool. Uh, professors are giving me A's just because I'm a point guard on the basketball team. Um, like I was so thankful to God that my original oath that I took with him or my covenant that I took with him, that if you help me, I'll, I promise I'll walk through the door and I'll try not to be bad. Like I'm going to do some, you know, I ain't perfect, but like, yo, I swear I'm going to do my best to not do nothing evil. And um, to, that, you know, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, speaking of, you know, bad and you, you trying to do good, there's a passage I want to read to you that I found uh, from the uh, from the Quran. Um, and it says, and, and that will find the nearest of them in affection to those who believe to be those who say we are Christians. That is because they're among them priests and monks and because they are not proud. When they listen to that which have been revealed unto the messenger, thou seest their eyes overflow with tears because of the recognition of the truth. They say, mm -hmm. our Lord, we believe. Inscribe us among the witnesses. So how should we not believe in Allah and that which hath come unto us to the truth? And how should we not hope that our Lord will bring us along with the righteous folk? Allah hath rewarded them for their saying, gardens underneath which river flows, wherein they will abide forever. That is the reward of the good. So, oh, yes. uh, yeah. so I, you know, I, I, I was like, man, that that's pretty powerful. You know, like, um, uh, in, in a book about, you know, uh, Islam, uh, um, and they're talking about, you know, Christianity and, 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 and Christians. And then just, 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 just good, like goodness. Like, so like, what, how does, you know, that reflect, uh, you know, your 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 life uh in your journey you know goodness and love well what it did for me was it gave me a way to live where i can have some dignity and some honor for myself um islam teaches you to be humble to have no pride islam teaches you to watch what falls from the tongue and watch what your hands do um and what ends up happening is that you look back on things like for example I'm very confident that I can listen to this podcast five years from now when you're got the number one podcast ever. <laughs> I can listen to it. I can listen to it ten years from now and I'm not gonna be 
disappointed in my conduct and the way I carried myself. I don't know if that makes sense, but like what you care about today changes in five years. And I'm saying that Islam keeps that in focus in the sense that, you know, since I converted to Islam, I've never been embarrassed. I haven't embarrassed myself. And I see so many people in communities that are just like, we talk about, we talk about something called the jinn that at the same time that God made humans, he created man from uh, clay, semen, and he created man from clay and semen, and then the woman from clay, semen, and the rib. And at the same time, he created the jinn from fire and smoke. And mm. he just took a moment to take a step back. And like with semen, with semen and clay, you can build populations and you can grow nations. With fire and smoke, all you have is destruction and chaos. Mm. And so the best way I can describe the jinn to people is if you've ever done something, either when you were in the action of doing it or immediately after, if life it feels surreal, almost like you weren't yourself doing that, that was the jinn influencing. And it gets to be where when you want to understand your Lord, you see you see in a way where people aren't even who they are the jinn is in control of them and these are people that i'm saying that when i see how they conduct themselves on television or on on the radio and and the things that fall from their tongue you know the scholars of islam say that if you really understood how serious every decision and everything we say is you would cry a lot and speak a little bit and so, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's what that's what Islam did for me is that it helped me understand that I can have some dignity in, in the eyes of my Lord. Because like me, Abuelita, you know, well, uh, she was she's 96, 97, mashallah, it's a blessing to have her. But she's one of those people that would tell me, you know, nobody's better than nobody. And, I, and I'd often hear this growing up that nobody's better than anybody just because your name is your name or. And I, I'm not saying I don't agree with that, but what confused me was the idea that I'm the I'm not better than a, a serial killer. I'm not better than a rapist. I'm not better than a, you know what I'm saying? Mm. That doesn't even make sense to me. How can that be? Why am I not better than that? So what Islam put into perspective is that you go up and down in the eyes of God based on what you sacrifice and do for your Lord. See what I'm saying? So what are you doing for God that no two people are the same? And it's based on what you're actually doing for your Lord. Are you keeping remembrance? He says in the Quran, those that don't remember me, I don't remember them. And who can be successful when they all come back to me? So like, yeah, man, I was just like, man, this is no joke. And so, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, now conversely, I can tell you this, and this is actually, this is factual, but it's faith fact. <laughs> We're going to call it faith facts. Faith um, facts. I, li- I like that. <laughs> the, more, the more you do for God, the world, meaning Los Angeles or Houston or Morocco or Saturday, it all, it all figures itself out. And I'm not even being funny. The real work in this world is being obedient to God. Is that the devil makes the, the illegal things very easy. And God wants to test that free will to see if you're genuinely of me or not. And so that's the real work. Those are the real challenges. Those are the real struggles, not what the media promotes. That's not someone who genuinely, that's not a Salafi Muslim belief. What your, what your primary concern is, is the day when you stand before your Lord, when the trumpet is blown. 
and all of God's creation comes back to life. And then you go, you get lumped up based on who you followed. Meaning if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to go with Christ. If you're a follower of Muhammad, you're going with Muhammad. If you're an atheist, you just stand there. You know, you know what I'm saying? So like, hmm. and so um, on this day, I think about it so often throughout the course of the day because it keeps you, you know, it keeps you. And if you really understand the media and if you really understand what's going on, the movies, somebody dies and the woman kisses him and he comes back to life. Everybody's afraid to die. And the Muslim understands that that's an irrelevant thing, that that's an inevitable journey. And so right. we prepare. So what we prepare, how do we prepare? We do work. We pray to God. We stop our lives five times a day when we might be having things to do. I, you know, being a Muslim is an incredible thing because he says in the Quran that my book, my Muslims are going to go in every part of the world. So you might not have wanted to listen to it, but you... But in the even any place that the sun would rise, Islam will reach. And the whole world gets it, even Alaska for one hour or whatever. So Islam has reached the whole world at this point. Um, you know, the the opportunity to to do good while you're alive right now, you know. I mean, there's so many things I like to point out. I don't want to get it's not even about being preacher. I just find it fascinating. Like, for <laughs> yeah. example, for example, uh, when I say this life is about actions and the life to come is about judgment, uh, you know, on the day of judgment, for the people who who tried to sacrifice for God, God's going to call you closer. He's going to call you closer, and then he's going to throw a veil over And then your judgment begins in privacy because the veil gets thrown over. Now, for people who didn't believe in God, or and this and God's the judge, for people who didn't believe in God, your judgment is for everyone to hear. And you got to answer to your sins. And so he says in the Quran, if you've been reading it, like you've probably read that on the day of judgment, best friends will be enemies because you're going to blame it on that person. So-and-so misled me. And that person is going to speak up right there. And here you are arguing on the most important day of your life in front of God. And this is how he lowers people. And, and you know, the life that we live determines it, like how much you're willing to, you know, learn about your Lord. And so I think we're in a time in this country that I'm, I'm extremely excited about. I've met a lot of people who uh, I've had. I, there's a brother in particular. His name is Patrick Williams. I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning him. But, I mean, I'll probably talk with him about Islam for 15 years, how we're discussing it now. And it, it took the pandemic <laughs> to shake up, you know what I mean? For him to take a shahada and understand it. Like, look, you know, this religion is gratifying every day. It feels good when you finish 30 days of fasting. You really feel like you accomplished something and no one can take that from you. You got to have mm. something to stand in front of your Lord and say you did this for him. And it can't mm. just be feelings and stuff. So he said, I put my head on the ground for you. Um, when I was working at the Getty Museum in Los Angeles, I would go pray and I'd have my prayer rug. And the Getty Museum is a, is a tourist location in Los Angeles. So, I mean, it'd be just random people from all over the world. They'd see the prayer rug. They're Muslims. They got to pray, too. And they'd come and pray with me. And I don't even know you. You know what I mean? And I, I was always so happy about that, that we're simply praying to God together. And then you're going to hmm. go back and do the museum thing and everything. But it's awesome that we can pray in congregation. You get more more blessings for praying in congregation. Um, so I found that I, I've always been very thankful like oh wow we're praying together and i don't even know you like that's fantastic like that makes me feel good 
Um, and uh, so, awesome. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hijacking the. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I like I, I said this in my first preview trailer episode that I'm here to listen when it, when it and you've been giving me nothing but enlightenment. Um, uh, I do want to ask though, but uh, how does um your faith help you with family, or what kind of role does family play in in your faith? Right, right, another good question. Like my older brother, I believe he took his shahada roughly 1996, 1997. I'm not sure with him, but my twin, um, he took his shahada in 1998. Meaning he became a Muslim in 1998. So my twin took his. He converted to Islam when he was in well, he was locked up. I don't think he was in jail. I think he was in county or something like that. But he had been locked up for over a year, and he he took a shahada. So okay, he becomes a Muslim. Now, his life was tormented, meaning that you know it really affected him when my dad left us. I was kind of in the middle, like I wasn't happy, I wasn't sad. It just is what it is. But my brother, he really it really affected him tremendously, and so. The way he responded was wild and out like most people would. Okay, I get that. And so he ended up, in, you know, locked up. And uh, in that time, he, he converted to Islam. Great. My mom thought it was crazy because they document everything. So when he, when he got out, um, the probation officer is reading, you know, okay, he went this many days in the hole. He got in trouble for this or he was doing good here. And it says he converted to Islam. And my mom looked at him and he just was like, yeah, I'm a Muslim. And she was like, okay. And fast forward to 2019, I fly to Houston, Texas to pick up my mother because she's moving with us to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And, then in 20, and, and this year she, this year she did, she did Ramadan. This year she pray, she prays. Um, and so my family wasn't necessarily against it. Everybody just assumed that my brother, myself, and my older, my twin, myself, and my older brother were going to go to jail. You talk to my uncles and them, they'll tell you that they thought we were all going to jail. And so, you know, my twin has two beautiful daughters. He's been very successful as an educator overseas. He speaks multiple languages. Um, you know, like um, his his faith in this dean, he's done a lot in terms of taking, taking risks for God. And it's all worked out very well for him. So it, it's been a very mercy from God to be able to have a twin who was willing, uh, you know, growing up, we read a lot. And Hmm. when we would read, we would think we would hear things like, uh, I was on a quest for understanding. And someone came to me in my day-to-day life and said, so-and-so has much more understanding that you should sit next to him. And he said to himself, then I'm going to drop everything I'm doing right now just to go find that person, even if he's under a rock. And I always admire that people were willing to just follow their life when they knew this is God calling me. And I don't care about food or I don't care about work. This is more important. And I know these are just words and I, I don't doubt that people can understand it. But to have someone who did that in action, like really mm-hmm. lived like that, I can't tell you how much of a blessing it's been. Like, uh, I just, That's awesome. like it's been incredible. Yeah, it's been, it's been a very uh, amazing thing. So I just, you know, um, it, it's just brought balance. My family is very proud of us. Um, when I talk to people like Andres or my cousins, um, they get it. They get it. And I understand why you wouldn't. There's outside pressures. My grandmother, my mom, I'm friends with people at the church. And these are exactly what, to me, is why I love Islam. Because Islam forces you to decide. 
you can't do both. You're going to have, is your loyalty with your Lord or is your loyalty with your mom, your grandmother, the, the people at church? I don't know. But for me, I don't mind what people say because people don't judge you. God judges you. So when I know I heard something that was of God, regardless of belief or what they say they are, I'm going to try to implement it because I know it'll help me. So when I'm talking to you right now, I don't want you to think that I think only Muslims and people who said they were Islam are in paradise or in heaven. No, it's it's how you understand your Lord and what you did for your Lord, the deeds you did for your Lord. I hope that makes sense. Like I'm praying mm-hmm. for God. I gave you money, not because you look bummy. I gave you money because God says it's better to be giving than it is to be miserly. I'm saying the first one is no blessings with your Lord. That's good karma, whatever that word means to be giving. But it, but when you, the only blessings are what you do for God. And see, those are the kind of things that Islam taught me. Because when I was a Christian, I just wore a wristband that said, what would Jesus do? But like, let's say that there's a loan. Would Jesus take 4.5 or 4.8 or over 24 months or over 22? But like, how does, what would Jesus do? I don't know. So I'm just wearing a wristband, but I really don't know. And I'm saying when you can fast forward 630 years, the next messenger prophet came, Muhammad. These things are now answered. And that's why we love Muhammad, because he gave us a mm-hmm. lifestyle that we can live. Like, oh, you involved in interest. You just leave it alone. Like, there is no interest. Like, oh, OK, cool. That that interest is not godly, that that's a major sin. That that if 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 you loan me one hundred dollars, if I pay you one hundred and twelve dollars back, the twelve dollars is the devil's money. And that on the day of judgment, you're tormented about that extra money. And that's pretty much what America's economy is driven on, you know, is interest that very few people have money. And then, like I said, I was living in Saudi Arabia and uh, I swear to God, it wasn't uncommon for somebody to walk in and put thirty, fifty thousand dollars down on a counter and nobody was pushing buttons. And uh, can you just sit over there for a moment? Uh, this is a, t- a normal transaction. And so you get to see where. This is a country that stops everything. If you're in the mall, they throw car- like a big tarp over the kiosks and stuff and all the clothes, the buildings close when it's time to pray. It is illegal to be open when it's time to pray. They're so mm. simple because they really are desert people. They don't realize how blessed they are simply because they give God his rights. So I saw things that were hilariously ignorant, like a brand new Bentley and they're just doing donuts in the desert, kicking up dirt and loving it, like filling up the engine with sand. Like, so what? And it's like, yeah, it's hard to get Americans to understand that because we always operate in this word deficit. Saudi Arabia finishes their year and they do the accounting and they got a surplus of hundreds of millions of dollars. So <laughs> well, what do we do with the money? And they, they build a, a hundred a hundred yard skating rink in the middle of the desert. Ice skating rink. How you do that with a hundred million? <laughs> okay, whatever. You know what I mean? But I'm not trying. What I'm trying to say is that when you give God His rights, you're really putting yourself in a position to be blessed. And so, um, seeing it firsthand has been incredible. You know that journey for me really it like opened my eyes to such a degree. That's 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 incredible, dude. Um, man, <laughs> you've you've opened up my 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 eyes today, dude. Like, there, there's just so much more that I that I need to uh, do my research on, and yeah, and 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 yeah, I appreciate you coming up here. Um, I, I want to switch the switch the mood a little bit. Um, from from faith and 
uh, ask you some questions about you know the the rest of my F fives. You know, yeah, go along with the podcast F five. So, uh, so I'm gonna start real simple. Well, what's uh, your favorite food? Favorite dish? My favorite dish currently would probably be out of Morocco. So I'm gonna go with the uh, tangine. I know everybody else thought I was going to say couscous, but no, I'm not a big fan of the couscous, but I love the tangine. <laughs> and if you know, you know, tangine, tangine, out of Morocco. It's like a olive seasoning, seasonal oil type um, chicken main protein dish, but it's nice. Oh, okay. Uh, damn, that sounds bummed. Um, yeah, I know you, you said you lived in like four different countries. So I know you've tried food, you know, that I've never even beyond thought of, you know. So that's pretty dope. Uh, uh, so, so um, about, what about uh, your favorite films? Any movies that you 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 like? Oh man, that, like, yeah, you, you know that's why I was like, man, it's like this show is this podcast is tailor made for me. When I heard films, I just smiled. <laughs> like, you know, I know I gotta I gotta take it back to college for a moment as a Golden Eagle. I I went to school so long there. I was there before they built the new. Um, film and television department like they built a brand oh, new, yeah, like, yeah. the last three years or four or five years yeah. i was there before that yeah. where you would go to the library to get the to get the tapes and put the headphone in and you'd have to wind the cue it up and everything but i'm coming <laughs> that because going through film school it became very apparent that the best movies are black and white and my favorite actor is humphrey bogart my, my favorite movie hmm. is probably hmm. casablanca but uh i think it, if you ask me to be concise and summarize it. Back then, the story, the dialogue, the cameras would zoom all the way into the face and acting actually mattered. Today, you get CGI and things blowing up and you can hardly, all these colors, and but the story is mm. terrible and the dialogue is not good either. And so basically, they, over, they overwhelm you on one side with graphics and stuff, but the story is not good. But back in the black and white days, the story was incredible. Oh, I'm sorry, it was amazing. And... Uh, yeah, so Humphrey Bogart is my guy. You asked me why, because uh, in uh, Maltese Falcon, which is a film noir movie in terms of the genre, um, the femme fatale walks into his office. He's a detective. And they, they cue the music, you know, the seductive music. And <laughs> the, cam the camera starts at her heels and it's slowly panning up her legs and all the way up to her face. And she... She blows out the cigarette smoke and says hello to him. Humphrey Bogart looks at her and holds it for what I would call a pregnant pause. And, <laughs> and then he says to her, hello yourself. <laughs> I was like, how cool is that? He just said hello yourself. That's it. Yeah, that, that was great. Right, he won me over on that. You know? um, the Maltese Falcons, the gold in the Sierra Nevada mountains. All these, yeah. Now, Humphrey Bogart is my guy. I mean, you know, actually, let me take that back. Humphrey Bogart is by far my favorite actor, but my favorite movie is probably Coming to America because okay. I, 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 I love comedy. Yeah, I just love comedy. That's, I got to do that Eddie. One. Yeah. Eddie. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, Eddie. Movie five times, you know, I had a crush on the main character. Um, yeah, nah, that movie was just, yeah, that movie was awesome. 
<laughs> that's dope i love the the purity of humphrey bogart and yeah and anything with eddie murphy man like this is classic <laughs> um that's awesome that's awesome my last f5 is obviously football um any football they admire and or you know sports athletes with like the biggest influence on your life yeah well i mean my, my favorite tourist tourist location is barcelona and although I'm not the biggest uh, football fan, um, I did I did do the tour of Cap New. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did do the Cap New yes. tour. So I'm a second <laughs> Barcelona guy. I hope I hope you don't attack me in California saying that to you. <laughs> my, my squad is Barca, but um, I just really like their oh. their uniform and their colors and stuff. I couldn't even tell you two players on that team right now. Um, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a big basketball fan. I, I love my NBA. Um, I love baseball more because I feel baseball represents America, that they put pine tar in the in the bats. They, they try to grease the baseballs. They steal signs. So basically, cheating is permissible. Just don't get caught. And did I, did I mention that black people can't play either? <laughs> so you got these things called the Negro Leagues. I look, I mean, this is when they call it America's sport. I thought they meant that Americans love it so much. They're saying that like this represents what America is. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I agree with that too. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm a big basketball, you know, football guy. I'm a Lakers fan, of course. You couldn't have grown up in the '80s without loving you some Magic Johnson. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, nah, I'm. I'm huge on basketball, brother. And I got the Lakers winning this year whenever they get back. <laughs> I want to put that, put that on there. You know what I mean? Lakers in six. <laughs> Lakers in six. All right. Who, who's your – so on the NBA talk, who's your who's your MVP right now? I said Giannis. You know, and, and it's – we talked a little bit about this in the past conversations, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just a little bit of – because he's got holes in his game. And I know everybody acts like he's – the complete and I'm, I'm watching him shoot air balls at the free throw line and I'm not trying to criticize him I'm just saying like you told me that's the best player he can, it's a potentially he can shoot an air ball that's crazy and, but yeah I, I would still say Giannis you know what I mean like um yeah. with props he to LeBron for doing it in year 17 and that is phenomenal he deserves as much credit as that to me is just as a 41 year old the idea of playing at the professional level for 17 years and being at the apex I can't do anything but salute you. So that's that's dope. But I just got to give it to you. Talking about, you're, talking about, you're talking about LeBron? Yeah, I'm saying that the year that he put up, considering how – this is year 17, and the year that mm -hmm. he – the way he played and performed at, once again, at APEC, arguably the MVP, you know what I mean? Who's doing that 17 years into anything? <laughs> right, right. That's like that guy – you think by now he starts slowing down, but that guy still has a pedal on the gas. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I gotta respect it, but but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, uh, Giannis, and uh, I think you know, I'm pretty sure that's from my research and who the people that I go to for this kind of information. I'm not gonna say it's a foregone conclusion, but it's pretty much wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, again, uh, again, dude, I can't tell you enough. Thank you so much for 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 doing this, for taking time out uh, of your day. No problem, brother. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, any any fun thoughts or advice for listeners when it comes to to faith? Yeah, yeah. Whatever you hear, 
take a moment to consider it. It leads you to God. Like the, when you break it down to the foundation that it's about God. So I tell you, that regardless of my my belief, if I ask someone to go pray, I'm basically telling you to pray to God. Right. So that's not bad information. Right. Even a broken clock can be correct twice a day. And I'm saying mm-hmm. that with how much misinformation about God is out there. My compass was that when I break down what someone would tell me if it led to God, I would accept it. If it didn't, I try to I just leave it alone. And, it, and it's been very helpful. So that's what I that's it. Tell he the, the study of God. I find out about your Lord and God is the one who changes people sincerely. So the more you know about God, the more you can change. I do think people can change, but it's not lasting and it's not sincere. I think that God only changes people like that. So focus on God, brother. Thank you. It's good for you and your family, man. Anybody out there struggling right now, I can relate. You know, I, I don't have a job at the moment, but I'm trying to start a business. So you can, uh, you can sense the irony. But um, <laughs> I, I understand, man. People just, uh, you know, keep, keep, keep your head down. God doesn't put us through more than we can handle. And know that the recompense, meaning the mercy, is double the, the hardship. So if you can just, you know, keep good keep good character and stay patient. The good that's going to come is going to be double as hard. It's going to be much better for you. So this all just try to be patient because surely God is with those who are patient. Hey man, that's, you said that let's just be patient and have some trust. Thank you again. Thank you so much. No problem, man. I, hope uh, I, get to, I hope I get to, uh, you know, be a repeat after the first year. You know what I mean? <laughs> the first season. We'll bring you back for advertisements. I'm, I'm creative. I do skits and everything, man. We're going to have a blast. <laughs> yeah. advertising, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, thank you for inviting me on the show, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I admire it. Um, I admire anybody that just takes their life into, you know, like I really wanted to do this because I had a strong desire to, and, and you made it happen, bro. That's just dope. Straight up. And I thank you too, man, because the talks that we've had, you know, and, and I was talking about you in that first episode when asked me, you know, because you know, not, not, not a lot of people know me or call me Junior, bro, and, but people that do is because they know me for, for so long and, and it's like fam. So yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> so my final thoughts um, with uh, after this discussion, you know, um, there's a like a overall theme that Arturo uh, talked about that really resonated with me. Um, and that is, you know, that faith is a journey. It's, it's, it's more than a process or, or a simple habit. Like it's, it's a lifestyle, like a way of life. And he mentioned that his particular journey is not linear. And I love that because through my experiences with faith, I know, uh, you know, my journey has not been linear because there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been forward pro- progression, and then you go backwards or sideways or however. You know, some days you feel like you're climbing a mountain, and some days you feel like you're swimming and gliding through water effortlessly. Um, your journey is your journey, and I feel like there are no wrong turns. You know, the, the journey itself is worth the move. And if you're listening right now, you're being part of my journey. And I love and appreciate that. I really do. Um, you know, the world can be a dark place. And faith helps me be a light. So why not shine? 
So again, thanks again for tuning in. Thank you, Artur. This is F5 Podcast, a.k.a. Cinco Fs. Stay shiny, people.